Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's Vindo with Robert Hollinshead. And today, uh, we have a special guest, Brian Kramer. I was going to open with a joke, an auction owner, a wholesaler, and a retail walk into a podcast, but uh, Brian's now uh, Senior <laughs> Vice President at Cars.com and uh, General Manager of AccuTrade. So welcome, Brian. No, thanks for having me. That's uh, Oh, and that's the final point is... Um, I, I didn't have the punchline, so I didn't know what to say. So, anyways, welcome, Brian. <laughs> Thank you for being on, Brian. No, I, I was appreciate a fan it, of the show. I, I I love the show, and I'm blessed and thankful to be on it. So, I think uh, I think just fired up. I'm going to turn it over to Bob. Bob's got uh, he's got some thoughts. He's going to fire at Brian and uh, get this thing rolling. Thank you, my friend. So, Brian, in other words, this is not. Um, you know nothing we've talked about before, but in other words, you always amaze me with the uh, your. Um, it's almost like you cloned yourself into twelve different people because you're going you're all over the place uh, spreading the word and being the uh, 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 let's call it the uh, propagator of you know the the tool set that I think is you know you find an awful lot of people that are uh, fans of. And and my question first was, you know, like who in God's name is making your travel arrangements because you're in New York one day, Chicago next day, and Houston next day? I don't understand how that can happen, pal. So uh, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like actually, and just for everybody listening to this, uh, these these questions are I'm not aware of what any of these questions are, but so the technology is just like AccuTrade, ironically, because we've got this thing called Concor. <laughs> at uh right. you know at cars and i can sit there and it'll tell me based on where i'm at i have it synced with my calendar so i'm using a little ai uh help and assistance with it i love it and a lot of them are one-way flights so if i'm one way my wife just dropped me off in miami to go back up to new york because we had to move a couple of things around and uh you know it automatically submits it over so it's 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 similar to accutrate ironically in a lot of different ways because it's intuitive and I and, have done and it that, that's that's what I'm thinking because it's just unbelievable. And that way, you still get to live vicariously, watching your daughter playing sports. In other words, you're able to get back in time for the game. It's unbelievable, man. You know what I mean? I was there and last night, but I've also it, been living vicariously through retail by seeing all these other operators. Ah, you and, got uh, it. They don't get my fix. And that leads me to a. You know, like a, a, an interesting thing. To me, it's interesting. Anyway, it's probably not interesting to anybody else. So you're at West Coast, East Coast, North, South, but, and you're getting all of the different cultures, uh, you know, like uh, dealer groups, uh, five rooftop thing. This, uh, and my question to you is, do you perceive uh, um, a cultural difference in, in dealer groups and dealer, uh, you know, like small, big, whatever, in different parts of the country where you actually can identify uh, uh, dealerships, their cultures, let's call it in the Mid-South compared to the West Coast, compared to the Northeast. In other words, am I wrong in perceiving that? I've noticed it through my career dealing with people that are buying from different places. You see what I'm saying to you? But my question is because you're actually getting it real time from so many different places, do you see cultural differences in the showrooms when you're going in or, or in the groups? Oh yeah, and it's and that's been one of the uh, probably the most educational, like interesting things to me is you'll have where there was a great operator, let's say, um, you know, like in Texas, Sam Pack, 
and you've got right. all these people that have come out of the Sam Pack group that are that are scattered all over the place, and they might be working in different right. dealerships now. And they're like, "Wait, where, right. you know, what's your background? I was mentored by this person, that you know, that was mentored by this person." And when you had a strong operator, let's say 10, 20, 30 years ago, that legacy lives on in certain parts of the country. But like out west, I and, and I, obviously we're just going to be candid on this on this podcast. I see pockets in Los Angeles or in the North Pacific Northwest. And in different areas where, you know, a lot of dealers are okay handing over their lunch money to, you know, a CarMax or, or any, or, you know, the Carvana access or uh, auction access. And it's interesting to me that they, they don't try to go after it. And I know, uh, you know, and talking to you that there's some difference in the auctions historically uh, that, that causes a lot of that. But, I, but the interesting thing to me is I'm tracking what's the percentage of trade-ins on new car transactions geographically and like up in the in the midwest it's really really strong you know everybody wants to be at a one-on-one ratio you know up in the you know the minnesota area everybody wants to be at over a one-to-one ratio and i think that a lot of that comes down to the fact that they have to become good retailers when you, you've got to be a lot more disciplined in cold areas in you know new york philadelphia in the wintertime but see that's the funny thing brian, brian but think about that now it's also geographic and it's also demographic in other words in the northeast where real estate you, you don't have dealerships on 300 acres where it when you said the midwest or the minnesota area or whatever they, they they're not landlocked so therefore they they tend to be uh um uh, dealers that keep their stuff where in the Northeast, for instance, um, you know, there's never a one to one ratio in the Northeast. It could be five to one, the uh, uh, new to used. Do you notice that? Yes. And it's like that out in California too. But in like West Virginia, I was talking to a dealer who's at a 20 to one uh, used to used to new ratio because he has no other choice because there's only so many people in that town that are going to buy a new Ford. Right. And, and he's, yeah. He's figured he's basically an independent dealer with a franchise attached to it. And independent dealers, that's been a very educational thing in the two different kinds, right? The midsize, well, really three. The smaller ones, like less than 10 units a month, then the midsize, and then these big, like Eastern's Auto Group and, and Auto Buy and places like that. It's, it's fascinating to me to see how efficient a lot of those, because they have to be, right? Right. Yep. So you you really got the like the bird's eye view of that, especially when you have the awareness. You know, I always use the uh, uh, the terminology a uh, a uh, do a do. I shouldn't use the the vulgar term the do stuff person do or the bull yeah or the bull shiner person. You follow me? Um, since you've been a do shiner, right? I, I don't want to say the word, Shawnee. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, you get a different perspective also when you're actually vetting simultaneously to presenting the people that you're talking to, because obviously you do a phenomenal job of understanding the audience. So, you know, that you're not, you know, like talking past them. And the only way you'd actually have the ability to understand that is to have been in their shoes, right? As a general manager, even from the time you started as a, a, a salesperson up in Ohio, you start to learn how to read. Uh, and then when you're actually uh, um, in circumstances, whether it's in a, a large group or just hand-to-hand combat with somebody, you're able to actually read uh, 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 and then interpret what your message is uh, so that they can actually uh, uh, 
get the, uh, the the depth and breadth of it, if that makes any sense to you. If you didn't have the, uh, I would call it the aptitude or the having been a do shitter. Um, in other words, it's uh, it would be impossible for that to happen. And I also have the perception this is not a you know a Brian Kramer uh, a cheerleading session, but it, it's only my observation that. Um, um, because of that, you're actually able to capture their attention where others would have them snoring, um, you know, behind their uh, presentation sheet. You know what I'm saying? I see that frequently when I'm watching the stuff that you're doing. You know what I mean? Well, I'd say that what I'm able to share and what was interesting about me coming over here is to at least, you know, hopefully, you know, who knows if they actually will because I, I, I'm one of the ones that had to learn the hard way, but I'd like to at least make people aware of some of the, mis- well, the lots and lots of mistakes that I've made so that maybe they don't have to make them. <laughs> like when I pushed back on the Germains, you know, this is back in the, in, the, in the Great Recession, and I was loaded up on high dollar cars and, you know, a bunch of expensive stuff. And they wanted me to turn my inventory two or three times a month. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around that. And they applied a lot of pressure to me. I didn't appreciate it at the time. And then finally, you know, I kept on pushing back and, you know, I don't believe anybody's doing that. And they literally took me, got me on a plane with them, flew me to Dallas. We went to all the Carl Sewell and Park Place operations and they called down there ahead of time. They said, here, I want you to show this kid what good looks like because he's never seen it. And when I went around, we went from rooftop to rooftop and we saw the efficiency. And I and and they told me, they said, look, what you think is good, maybe from, you know, you started off selling Oldsmobiles and all that stuff, but this, this whole country in, in North America is so much bigger than, than what you realize. And the, it's not just in Columbus, Ohio. you got to look nationally. It's absolutely fine. What are the best of the best doing? And how do they do it? It's, it's so truthful. But more importantly, and then actually doing it yourself. That's where you separate the theoretical pontification from the actual, you don't mind if I just grab your device and show you how it's done, real time, real life. And I think what happens is that, uh, I, I would call it pedigree, and that fear, the lack of fear of, of being able to be exposed because of, uh, let's call it less than a positive outcome of whatever you're doing, doesn't happen. In other words, and, and that I think is, um, um, you know, like a, a really important portion of uh um, of your ability to have uh, that message going forward, uh, uh, how to use the tool set, uh, because you've actually done it successfully. To me, it's it's really uh, a, a phenomenal thing. What I'm trying to do is bottle up that same experience instead of kicking me in the ass, physically, you know, literally, and getting me on an airplane flying down. Is to take that Park Place Sewell road on the you know show on the road, and be able to because I unless I would have seen somebody doing it, I was still just a skeptic. But if, to your point, I think that, well, I know it's that easy that my 12-year-old daughter, you know, praises cars and, and doing it last night at a volleyball game, you know, with a bunch of different parents, sending them driveway <laughs> appraisals, and then they forward it. It's like that old Menon commercial. And they send it to a friend, and they send it to a friend next to you, and everybody's like, hey, what's my car? We're like, it's some magic trick or, uh, you know, some carnival act. That's funny. But That's but classic, that, man. <laughs> But when you, you make it that simple, it takes it demystifies what seems really complicated. It's like, right. uh, you know, a family member of mine was, you know, afraid recently of getting on an Uber app. And as I'm, you know, walking them through it, they're like, you know, they, they kept on saying, I don't do Uber. You know, I'd rather I'll just call, you know, a cab or, 
or get somebody to help drive me. And I'm like, look, and then I forced them to do it. And once they did it, they're like, really, that's it. Oh, wow. And just the same way any, you know, your first time you deposited a check and scanned it with your, your phone or any type of technology. I think everybody's afraid of it. I was afraid of the auto at the beginning. Fear, right? Fear. Absolutely. Yep. And and once you overcome it, you feel silly that, uh, you know, you've been locked into Fred Flintstone for, because it worked, it worked. Dial-up phones definitely work. There's no question about that. But once you find find out that you've been uh, like brain locked because you didn't do something, it's uh, it's like a gotcha moment that really makes you feel silly, actually. And it really is a good analogy with the uh, the Uber app uh, in terms of what our tool does for somebody that's been doing it the same way forever. Uh, and it's not as if we're we're trying to be smarter than them. It just makes it that much easier to do whatever they do with more information. It's completely transparent. It's absolutely guaranteed. And uh, in other words, it's, uh, it, it, it eliminates so much of uh, the need for uh, uh, everybody to be an expert on everything. It, it's, it, it's no longer the case. You don't even have to worry about where you are. I'm sitting in Lima, Peru. In other words, and this is one of the most confusing places in the world to drive in, right? It's unbelievably like mixed up with things and yet everything looks the same. It's unbelievable, right? But you turn on ways and all of a sudden your fear of going from X, Y to Z to come back to the other one, pick up the other people in the other place, it's all gone. There's nothing to it. In other words, they know exactly where you're going, what to do, make a left at the thing, go right to the thing. It's over. In other words, if I was just sitting there with a map, like going sideways, and it's the same thing with the with what we're doing with the uh, appraisal process. It's uh, it's amazing, actually, in that regard. I'll, t- I'll tell you a, a funny story. I was this was like uh, Thursday, I think, and I and I I show up up in New York, and I get it's like one o'clock in the morning. I'm you know beat down from been in all these different cities, or whatever. So I I come out and I had you know you never know with all these cities you know, where the Uber got, you might have to walk a mile, like in Los Angeles to go to the Uber right. or take a bus. <laughs> so I come yeah. walking out and there's this huge row of uh, yellow cabs, you know, and there's the, I mean, there's like 10 of them all in a row. There's nobody there. They're all trying to negotiate with me and they're saying, Hey, you know, Hey, I'll make you a great deal. Negotiate the fare. And I go, well, how much is it? Where are you going? I'm going to world trade center. Okay. Well, it's going to be like 75. I go, so it's for sure 75. Well, I mean, you never know because, you know, this time of night, it shouldn't be any traffic, but if it is, it could be 100, could be 110. And I'm like, well, can you, how about just 80? Let's just settle on a number. Well, I can't give you a guaranteed number, you know, because things could change and you never know. And I'm like, well, no, you do know because I'm showing right now it's going to take whatever, 43 minutes. So what what else do we need to know? Well, it's, you know, so I'm here and I'm like, wah, wah, wah. As I, and I walk 10 feet over on the other side of the thing where the taxi stand is, and there's got to be 200 people there. And like a nightclub almost of people waiting for right. Ubers and they could be doing the same thing, but they're waiting yep. and they're not giving exact values like AccuTrade. They're given ranges and there's an yep. audience of all these people that want that information. And because of their unwillingness to, to give it to them, they're losing. I mean, it was more business than Uber could handle on the other side of I mean, 10 feet away. And it's the same way with appraisals. And so many people are like, well, I don't know if I want to give an exact value. What if they lied to me? And, right. And, I, and if, so what percentage of the time does that happen? If they, if Amazon looked at that, they'd be out of business. It's amazing how it really is a perfect analogy of, uh, of uh, how technology is changing people, but how actually so many people are actually afraid to 
uh, let go, let's say. You know what I mean? Uh, moss grows on the and north side of the tree. Bucks. I don't need a map. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I paid more. I paid $110 not to have to deal with the, the aggravation. Yeah. Well, see, the funny thing is the transparency of the process also, that's exactly what a retail customer, if I'm not mistaken, that's all they want is somebody telling them the truth for once in their life, that they can actually feel certain that it is the truth. You, you see what I'm saying to you? It's, it's not like some other reason. It's enabling them to actually uh, uh, take the number and rationalize the dent, the scratch, the color, the miles, to think about it, where how much it was, and how much you can actually get for it this second. You know what I mean? Instantaneously. Now we can talk about how we're going to stuff them in a, a new car. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, uh, well, you two it's, know this 10,000 times better than I do. What is that any different than auction lanes? You know, from an arbitration oh my standpoint, God. if you know that, right? It, it's nothing to talk about in, in so many different ways. Um, it's, it's, uh, let, let me just give you, I hope the analogy doesn't sound stupid. If, if, if it, if it is, then Shawnee can clip it out. But I always, you know, for, this is my 54th year doing this thing, uh, uh buying and selling cars, being in a million different showrooms, uh, making deals for dealers and so forth for decades and decades, Right. But what happens is when you actually aggregate the cars at an auction or you're getting your stuff ready to go to a sale, you always have people, and they're ni nice people, they're your customers. Bob, I buy cars from you every week. Can I buy this car before the auction? And the answer is, well, I don't really know how much we own it for. So just be the last bidder, and uh, if you don't like it for any reason, I'll take it back. You follow me? Uh, because whatever I'm going to give you a price for, see, this is the, 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 the point is hand-to-hand -hand combat. Hand-to-hand -hand combat, and you got a good car. You can't ask enough money because they're, oh, you're taking a shot at me. You understand? They never ask you about a bad car. They only ask you about a good one. And a good one, you can't predict what it's going to bring. You understand? So, in other words, in the case of a, a trade-in, many, many times, Brian, you would notice this good because I'm sure you'll hear it all the time. Oh, my God, that's too much money that they're putting on this car. Tell me the truth. Do you hear that? In oh, other words, well, here, a Toyota dealer is saying we're putting too much money on the Toyota. But the truth of the matter is it's what actually makes a deal if they're transparent using it, right? In other words, and, and I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I get people calling me back and saying, Jesus Christ, Bob, you know, I never would have put that much money on that car. But we did it, and we sold it immediately. We sold it immediately. We wouldn't have made the deal. But we made the deal based on what you're saying. And, you know, if we had to sell to, we could but we didn't because two days later, the bitch is gone. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing at an auction. More importantly, it, 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 with a little bit of a, a difference, I guess, but when a guy says, I'll give you 38000 for that car, I say, well, geez, you know, I, I, I'd love to take thirty-eight, but we paid forty-one. Oh, you're crazy as shit. It'll never bring that. And they're standing there, and the car brings forty-two-seven. Do you understand? Now, A, you did not lose credibility because you didn't give the wrong number, then it could be a Toyota, that a Toyota dealer is offering you that money, that they just don't understand to the point of the category of the car, the, the, the characteristics of the car, and what it brings in the open market. It's the exact same thing with a trade-in. It's really no different. But simultaneously, not just about a good one, it's about the bad one, Brian. It's the one that has dents and scratches and 44 owners. Uh, uh, you know, bad Carfax is 19 times. Maybe it's TMU. Who knows what, right? You can't smash that car enough without the rationality behind it for a consumer to say, yeah, oh, now I understand. More importantly, hey, Brian, 
I'm going to ask you one last question here. And you got to admit, for your salesperson, might be the best salesperson you have. So, oh, Jesus Christ, boss, that's not enough money for that car. You understand? Because they did not rationalize why you're giving them X amount for the car. So they're work, your best salesperson working a manager harder than they're working the customer. Tell me you've never seen that in your life, Brian. It happens every time. I'll give you two examples. And it's happened in the last two weeks. So one of them is I've got a, a dealership I go into. I've got a stack, which I used to be guilty of this bias, right? Where I would force a picture of a CarMax Carvana appraisal because over the years, decades maybe, uh, you know, a lot of dealers have programmed their customers to use that as a third-party validation tool. Or maybe maybe they don't have a sight-unseen appraisal process, but they do. They just don't know what it is because it's been defined by their team instead of by the leader. So what happens is, I you know, I go into this dealership and they've got a stack of CarMax appraisals. They go, how am I supposed to compete with this? Look at how insane this is. And I'm like, okay, this is low miles, right color, right equipment, clean car. Exactly. I'm like, where, where are the ones that have like a 2019 with 60, 70, 80,000 miles. The slugs, exactly. And they're in silver with in the roll stack. up windows, exactly. And they go, I don't know. Why am I not getting those? I go, because you are getting those on your trade row and you're taking them in on trade. See, they're laying off of those and they're cherry picking you because they've got that maybe data that you, you don't have. They know who the best and that's probably what I've learned the most over the last year and a half is the power of the geographic impact of trades or that there's some other use case of, of how these these dealers are using now you're stuff. talking yep and or they should be selling it for even more than what they're selling it for but there's none of these unicorns out there to even compare it to so the competitive set gets skewed down to average of average when that when the non-average you know uh, moonshot cars should be bringing that much more and to your point they only last six days so they're never going to be in the competitive set anyway so the funny thing that you bring that up is everybody, MMR this, MMR that, right? <clears throat> but MMR is the middle. It's never the best one. That's why one brings 4G over MMR because it is white with 50-inch wheels with 64 different options and things, right? As opposed to the one with a crack on, on Carfax in, 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 in some dopey orange something or other, and it's got all different things that are easily revealed in the appraisal process to find that it's 4G's under MMR. It happens the same way with retail. Everybody in the world, no matter what anybody in the world talks about, everybody buys through their eyeballs. If it happens to be attractive, it's going to create emotion. If emotion's involved in a sale, wholesale or retail, the price is moving forward. If there's no emotion whatsoever, all of a sudden, it's impossible to get somebody excited about it. We're past the point of, of scarcity, right? So now it has to be like the real one in order to get somebody emotional uh, uh, to actually buy it and pay what it's worth. If you're, if and you get don't them to do show it, up. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yep. We, well, well, I was in a big, I'm in a really, really big store recently, and they sent out this, you know, uh, one of one of the driveway appraisals, sight unseen appraisal, and the client's coming in. So you know the store is telling me, they go, hey, look at the, this is a problem. You know, you you put and this is I'll just throw the numbers out. You put forty two thousand dollars in uh, in this vehicle, and that's you know that, that only leaves us like five hundred dollars worth of margin. 
okay, well, it's not, you're kind of certified. You're not counting the options. You're not doing that. But let's validate it with an active attra- a trade appraisal, which I've been trained since Oldsmobile back in the mid-90s, early 90s, that that's what you do with the customer to be able to build value and all that stuff, right? You should do it 100% of the time. Most people agree, yeah, we don't do it as much as we should. But I said, okay, so 42 grand, you don't think it's worth it? Let's wait till they get here. So then when the, when the client arrives, we're walking around. It's got a crack bumper, needs four tires. They're also... 20-inch wheels that are $400 a tire, not 200 bucks like we like the default in the system. Right. Their existing system said it needs this, it needs that. Next thing you know, it's 38.5, 38.7. So I said, here, I'm going to show the client this, and they go, no, 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 you, you can't. You got to bump that to at least 39.3. I go, based on what? I'm just deducting all the stuff. You're going to have to pay for this tomorrow on recon. What made it worth more? Just like that, I go. The customer hasn't even objected yet. So I walk around with the client, and they're like, "Yeah, I guess that was going to be like that. Yeah, I don't want to file that on my insurance claim. Got? Yeah, can you give me five hundred bucks more, which is less than what they were going to do unwillingly, and still won the trade. So I think that's a, that's a huge hundred percent correct data based instead of just gut based. Absolutely.